Malakanaji, my name is Standing Holy. This name was given to me when I was young by Frank White Buffalo Man, a Sioux elder and grandson of Sitting Bull. This name was Sitting Bull's daughter's name and was gifted to me to use in this life for the benefit of the people. So here I am. Standing holy is the wisdom, strength, and guidance I have drawn upon to live well. It's preceded every ceremony I've ever done and has seen me through the hardest of life's experiences. Leaning into who I am on a soul level has carried me through the unimaginable. And it can for you too. This podcast is geared to summon your light, your heart song, your gift and contribution to humanity. As we embody and live by our true authentic self, we raise the frequency of the earth and all her inhabitants, something that is needed now more than ever. My greatest teacher, Floyd Hand, told me before he passed, my girl, when you begin sharing your stories, you will help a lot of people. This was his vision that I am carrying out. This is my heart song, as Wakanaji. Hello, everybody. This is Brandy, and I am coming at you with the next episode of Standing Holy with Brandy Tuttle. And I decided to do something a little bit different on this episode. I'm out here in the hills around Sedona, Arizona, and this is my last day being down here before I travel back to Wyoming. As I spend my time in between the two places, I feel very blessed to be able to absorb everything that there is from these two magnificent spots on this earth, this Mahaina, Mother Earth, that we get to get to play upon. And as I'm sitting out here, I didn't even consider the idea of the noises that would be around. Normally, I'd be recording in a quieter space. And although coming out here in these hills, there's no immediate human activity, but there are the airplanes up above. And as I speak into this, it started to dawn on me that the energy work that I've done, there's never going to be a perfect scenario, a perfect spot, a perfect uh, surrounding. You've got to be able to find that hochoka, that center within you. And... Be able to be so strong in your intention, in your space, that you're able to block out any of the surrounding sounds, distractions, that kind of thing. And that's really the, the muscle, if you will, that you want to uh, strengthen. And that's going to make you stronger in everything that you do. For those of you who have my book and you recall the story from when I used to have seizures and whatnot when I was little, I had to get real good at blocking out all the distractions around me because in that particular story, you know, I was uh, the age of 11 when I started having seizures and they didn't go uh, away until I was about 15. And within those years were very pivotal. That was, you know, grade school and middle school. And it was just my goal was to find that sweet spot, that focus spot, to be able to block out everything. And for me, at 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, to be able to block out all these kids that were, as we're standing in the lunch line, I mean, that was a practice of all practices. So when I came out here and I'm sitting here, 
and loving this area, the red rocks in the background and the beauty that just is so profound here. And I started to hear the, the airplanes and the propellers and the props and the things. And I thought, well, you know what? This is exactly what we need to speak upon today. And it brought to mind a story that happened quite a few years ago when a dear friend of mine, Vani, she is a pivotal person in helping to get places cleared, meaning she can sense areas and the things that are going on there, and she can put the right people in the right scenarios to bring about what needs to happen. She just had a sense about her that she needed to bring... Um, my my friend Kathy, who's far more like a sister, she and I are family in every every way but blood. She brought Kathy and my daughter and I down to St. Augustine, Florida, and she has a home down there, and so we stayed with the intention that we were going to clear Fort Marion. Now, Fort Marion was a fort that a lot of Native people were taken to and held captive at. And just as the stories that you may have read about when I went to Egypt and some of the clearings there, I don't like to become aware of the places I'm going to. I really like to stay raw. I'm not going to research. I don't want to know what has been found. I want to lean solely into spirit and have it be so um, authentic and raw coming from a place inside of me that isn't filtering through expectation. And if I get too uh, caught up on what other people have experienced, I might be so busy looking that I can't see what is really there. And so that's how I approach this clearing down in, uh, in Florida at Fort Marion. Now, in my mind's eye, when I would lean into spirit and I'd be thinking in terms of, okay, well, what is this clearing going to entail? I just knew that it was going to unfold naturally as, as we came closer to the time. So we were down there, and my daughter and I and Kathy, we... It was the night before we were set to go into Fort Marion, and again, I didn't know what the layout looked like. I didn't know what to expect whatsoever. But as I sat down at this little table in this condo that she had us in, I created a little altar, my little sacred space, so that we could pray and get prepared for the following day. Because when I go into these spaces, I always come from the same place. My culture, my upbringing has taught me well how to ground and get into a sacred space, no matter where you're at. So we created this little altar and started to pray with regards to what we needed to be for the sake of this clearing. And my assumption, knowing that there were Native people that were held there at one point in time, I assumed that it would be the natives that were going to be needing the clearing. But I actually couldn't have been more wrong. But I didn't know that yet. Sitting at the altar, in my mind's eye, the way that spirit works with me, my spirit literally can travel, called astral travel. And I went to that fort and my soul was hovering above that fort and I could see the way that the layout looked I could see how it was in a square type formation 
and I could see this open space in the middle of it. And um, I knew that that was the fort. I knew that that was what we were going to be clearing. Then in my mind's eye, I saw what looked like an upside-down tornado, or like an inverted tornado, that was funneling up from above that fort. And what made it spectacular is that I could literally feel and sense the clearing already starting to happen. Even though I wasn't aware of exactly what was going to happen, it, that, that wasn't the important part. The important part was the intention to bring clarity and um, clearing to whatever needed to be cleared for the greater good of all concerned. And again, that is how I lead into all clearings, no matter where it's at on this earth, no matter whether it's people, places, things. I lead with the greater good of all concerned, and that's why it is powerful. So the following day, I gather up the things that I feel I'm going to need. And, you know, my culture, we always burn sage to make sure everything goes to the greatest good, and it clears the space, you know, clears the channels, if you will. Make sure that it's always intended to be of love, of light, and of health and wellness. So I had my shell and I had my, my sage that I was going to burn. And it was Kathy and a couple more uh, people, two other women, and um, Malia, my daughter, and myself. We pull into the fort. We park where we're supposed to park. And I could feel the presence of spirit with us. I could feel them very strongly. And before we step foot onto those grounds... I asked Spirit for permission to walk further, to go into this space. Because ultimately, it is walking with that kind of respect that opens up those channels even further to allow clearing to happen. So as I stood there, I invited my guides to be with me. And as I felt them, ask permission to walk forward. And that permission had been granted. So we start up the, the pathway, the walkway. We go in and pay our admission. And we walk around this corner and there's a lot of people around. But I could feel that essence of what I call spiritual anesthesia. That spiritual anesthesia is what keeps me honed into that space, that sacred space that I'm needed to get into to do any type of clearings. And that spiritual anesthesia had been there and was there strong within me. And as we rounded that corner and we went into the center of this fort, which was square like I saw in my vision from the night before, and it was open inside, and it was grassy out there. And as we entered in, we entered from the west side. And in my culture, the directions mean something. And it made sense that we would enter in from that direction. And as we stood on that west side, I rolled up a ball of sage and smudged with it and started to pray. And I closed my eyes as the five of us lined up. 
on that edge, and again, people milling around, but they were of no concern to me. All my heart and mind and soul was on whatever it was that we were there for. With my eyes closed, my attention was drawn to that far left corner from where we were at. So I guess it would be that northeast side. And in my mind's eye, I saw natives. And they were shackled together, their wrists, their ankles. And I saw them walking out in a line on that far side, that east side. And as they lined up, I felt the soldiers that lined up on this side. And in my mind's eye, I saw those soldiers, they, had, they were given orders to, um, to fire on the native people, is how I saw it. And we stayed in that west side as this vision was, was there and until it had been given to me that we needed to go to the next direction and we walked around to the north. And from that north edge, I could see now where the spiritual force was present that from that west side I saw the actual things that had happened. But from that north perspective, all of a sudden I saw these men that were out there in spirit form. And to my left I saw where the natives had been, no longer shackled, of course, they are in spirit, but strong and standing strong. And then to the right, where the soldiers were, I saw them all dressed in white, and they were all either down on one knee or down on both knees with their hands um, covered in blood. And they were very downtrodden, their essence, their energy. And as I saw this, I witnessed the native people cross from where they had been standing and went over to where the soldiers were, where they were down where they had their hands with blood on them. And the natives started to wipe them down, started to wipe the blood off their hands. And all of a sudden in my mind, I knew that it wasn't for the natives for this clearing. All of a sudden I knew that there were probably many, many, many ceremonies that had been held for the native people to do the wipe down, to do the clearing so that their spirit could be good and strong and cross in a good way. But who was it that was praying for the soldiers? And as I witnessed the natives wiping these soldiers' hands off, that moved me. And these natives were literally lifting them up, lifting these soldiers off of their knees, off of their one knee, and helping them to, to rise up. 
There was an essence of forgiveness, if you will. When we were done from this particular uh, direction, we walked around to the east side. And from the east perspective, when I pray in that direction, that's where the sun rises. That's where the dawning of a new day happens. That's where the light of knowledge comes and it banishes, you know, the ignorance banishes the darkness from our lives. And that is how I see every new day. That's how I lean into our lives and how we are given a new opportunity each day, a new gift of life. So from this East perspective, I got to see these spirits of these men standing out there in this field, having gone through this um, healing of sorts, this wiping off, this cleansing. And then there's this spirit that works with me. She's this little elderly grandmother. And I saw her walking among these men, carrying cedar and burning cedar to clear in a big way, you know, to bring that much like smudging, but even bigger than that. And she was just winding and weaving herself among these men, clearing, making new again the energy of this space, of these people, so that the vibe could be clear for everybody, as well as this grounds, this machaina, this Mother Earth, that had bared witness to so much could also be clear. And we stayed in this, this direction until that was complete. And then we walked around to the south. And to the south is where we are taught that, I guess you could say heaven is, that is where we go after we cross. You know, that Milky Way that runs from north to south that we call the Star Road. And my dad used to tell the story of all those stars are the stars of our ancestors that are making their journey home. And that eventually we will also make our journey home and be in that power of the south. And as we're standing in that power of the south, I could feel this emanating bright, bright yellow light up above our head. And by this time in this clearing, in this ceremony, the men that were in the beginning showing me the essence of how everything went, and then the wiping down, and then the smudging and clearing off and resetting of their energetic space and the earth energetic space, now this essence was almost jovial, was almost so lifted and risen up to such a degree that it was tangible. And with that joy brought that light, brought that creator force. And there it was, right above our head, in the direction of the south. And that is what spirit refers to as that light bridge. And all of a sudden, these men started to follow that light bridge that their spirit was being cleared and, and ushered home. You know, because that spirit world is where we're all from. It's where we, 
where we are from and we come here to visit and then we get to go home. And sometimes when a person's life is taken before they believe it's time or in a jarring way, our spirit may not cross as it is natural to cross. So we're stuck in this limbo space. And that is what the clearings are that I do, that people will ask me to come. And it is through love and compassion and seeing things through the eyes of these souls that may have had their lives taken in a way that was jarring for them. It is finding that compassion and that love and meeting them where they are. And then inviting in the powers that be, the spirits that I work with that are of the highest of high to bring forth that light bridge on behalf of these beings. And that is what had transpired that day. And as all these men rose up through that light bridge and finally that light receded back to where it was, we could feel this essence of clearing. And my daughter and I and Kathy and Vonnie and the others, we walked around a little bit and uh, ended up splitting a little. And next thing you know, Vonnie said, Brandy, I think you need to come over this way. So we walked around back over to that northeast corner. And I hadn't gone into the depths of the fort itself. I spent my time really in that square space that was open and clear in the middle or walking up above and, and viewing things from the, the top tier of the fort itself. So when she called me down, I went into there and lots of people milling around. Now, mind you, I'm still burning sage continuously through this because that is who I am and how I've been taught. And nobody is saying a word about the sage. So I walk over to this corner, this area, and there's this little uh, opening in the wall. It's maybe about three and a half feet high, and it's square of stone, of course, because it is this fort. And Vani ushers my attention in that direction, and I stood there, my daughter and I. I think Malia might have been about ten or so by that time. And her and I stood, and I closed my eyes, and again, I could feel the energy of spirit in there very strongly. So I asked permission, again, to enter into this space. And next thing, I see this little girl, this little native girl, boy, maybe five years old or so, pops her head out. <laughs> and she can see Malia and I, and she smiles big and she waves for us to enter. And so Malia and I squat down because it's a little door, and we follow this little girl in. And she walks us into this room that is long and rectangular. It's not a big room. It's a pretty small room made of stone, very dark. And as Malia and I stood in there, as the only two people in there, nobody else entered, I closed my eyes and in my mind's eye, my main guide that shows up, he's not my primary guide named Cheshnio. He's It's not him. 
This is one that is with me when things are really real and things need to be cleared. He shows up. He's my, you know, highest of high and my barrier of protection. And he's there standing to my left. And Malia is standing to my right. And this little girl is in front of me. And I ask her her name. And she told me her name was Marion. And that she was born there. And that was why her name is Marion. She was actually named after the fort itself. And this little child in her childlike innocence was so joyous. And as she stood, and I stood with my guide and with Malia, she extended her hand out as if to show me what was around the edges of this long rectangular room. And all of a sudden, I saw these natives, adults, beat down, downtrodden, on the floor and leaning up against the edges of this rock wall. Very little hope and life left within them. Remnants of a life that they had lived, the freedom that they had lived, the perhaps nomadic aspect of their lives were taken. And they were now held in this fort. The memory of their life that they had been living was resounding in their heart and mind. But Marion, she didn't have that perspective. You know, she had been born in there. She didn't know anything about a previous life. And as she extended her hand out and I bared witness to the energy of all these spirits that were in there, and that is the perspective that spirit will lead with with me. They let me feel what people are feeling. They let me understand what is going on at the root of them. And I couldn't help but have tears come to my eyes. And as she extended her hand out and I was able to feel through these, these souls and where they had been and where they are now and that bleakness, my perspective came back to Marion, and she looked at me kind of with confusion, like, why are they all so sad? Why are they all so down? Because in her childlike innocence, she only knew what a child would know. And then that main guide asked all these spirits, got their attention, and asked them to rise, to stand, that it was time for ceremony. And they kind of looked at us as if they could see us for the first time. And they did. They summoned the strength to rise and to stand. And we stood facing the West. And one of the songs that my people will sing the Four Directions song came to mind, and Malia and I sung that song in there. Still no other humans around, just her and I in spirit. Many, many, many spirits. And as we did the Four Directions song, honoring those directions, the spirits that were standing in there acknowledged those directions as well. And just as we did the clearing out in the center of the fort, the same principles of clearing applied within the spirits that were in that room. 
And finally, as we face south, that same light bridge came. That same light bridge to the spirit world was present and strong. And each one of these natives lined up to cross over in that, into that realm, into that space. And Aishta be done with what they had lived so long in. And as I stood with my main guide and with Marion, watching these men rise up through this light bridge, tears again just continued to stream. And you could feel their hearts being lifted. And you could feel them excited about joining again with their family on the other side. And then finally, the guide that ushers in the light bridge that is there when things get real. He stood holding, holding on to the hand of Marion, his left hand to her right hand. And he started to lead her up that light bridge and she stopped like a little girl would and pulled on his hand. And she turned, ooh, gonna make me cry. And she turned back to us and she smiled. Just the most beautiful little smile. And she waved with her left hand. And I knew she was saying thank you. I knew she was saying that she would, you know, what we say, Doksha, okay, we'll see you again. And it was just outstanding. And then she went up. And that light bridge folded up behind them. And it was just Malia and I standing in that room, that very empty room, but not empty in a bad way, empty in a clear way. Still burning sage. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, a couple of people from that outside entered in there in complete oblivious of what had happened. And... um Malia and I exited, knowing that our work had been done, that we were guided as we needed to be guided, and that everything came to fruition as it needed to, again, for the greater good of all concerned. When we walked out, dozens and dozens of people are around. With this irrevocable clarity that our job being done... <laughs> Of course, a guard comes up to us and says, Oh, I'm sorry. We can't have sage burning in this place. If you need to do any of your cultural things, you'll need to get a pass for that. You'll need to make an appointment for that. <laughs> and that, my friends, is exactly how spirit rolls. We had been in this fort for every bit of an hour and a half, every bit of an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 45 minutes, somewhere in there, doing what we're doing continuously, but held in this space of spiritual anesthesia, of divine protection. Because when you lead with spirit and mind, 
the physical world will bend to those needs so long as it is of the greatest good of all concern that is at the heart of it because that is the power and we were made invisible if you will by the guards by the people by the tourism everything parted ways for the sake of this clearing and it was absolutely beautiful when the guard said that I'd need to have an appointment, I said, oh, okay, <laughs> thank you. And that was all we had to say. I let the sage burn down, and then we started to walk into some of the other rooms, and you could see where the natives had been held, where they would etch into the rock the story depicting where they were, much like the petroglyphs that you see in these rocks. Yet the story that were etched into the rocks of this fort told a much different story. And it does my heart a great deal of good to walk this path in service of Tunkashala, Creator, for the benefit of this Mahaina, Mother Earth, and all her inhabitants of the past, of the present, and also of those yet to come. There's nothing more I would rather do on this Earth, on my journey, than to speak these stories to you and create more of these stories. In every trip I've ever done that came like Fort Marion and like Egypt and like Peru and these journeys that come on angels' wings are divinely guided so. And when we put ourselves in that space of service, everything comes together beautifully. I look forward to taking many of you on these journeys with me. The nature of the grateful, powerful, strong business that I am launching and that I do. I do retreats and gatherings, journeys, and I'm looking to do those in a much bigger way. So keep your ears open for those. You can always get on my email list by texting Brandy Energy, B-R-A-N-D-Y, E-N-E-R-G-Y, one word, in all capitals, to... The number is 22822. Again, 22822. Brandy Energy. And that will automatically put you on my email list. It will funnel you in so you'll know of all the things that are getting ready to go on. And if your heart, soul, mind moves you toward doing these journeys with me, for the betterment of all concerned, I would be honored. Uh-huh. It's good to visit with you on this day, my friends. And I bid you all the love in the world. And say, Doksha, okay? Until we meet again. Hey, Chatu. And so it is. <laughs>